So Philippians 3, uh, let's look at verse 17. Paul here says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And so here Paul begins in verse 17 by kind of inviting the family, brothers and sisters. He says, pattern your lives after mine. And not just mine, but note those, he says there in verse 17, who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Imagine that, you guys. He's saying, hey, you guys, follow me. Uh, there's, a, there's a pattern here. And not just me, other guys kind of like me because we're there uh, to give you a sample, to be an example, you know, to walk after this pattern. Now, it's not the first time Paul says something like this. Over in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he said, uh, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 explains it. It says, imitate me, Paul says. Here it is. Just as I also imitate Christ. Now, that's the key. Paul the apostle is not necessarily saying, hey, I'm perfect, man, so follow me. You know, I've got it all together. Because as a matter of fact, when you look at Paul's letters, he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. So it's not that he's saying I have a perfect life, but what he is saying is I have a passionate life. And so follow me the way that I follow Christ. Imitate this, mimic me. And it's kind of cool, you guys, when you have examples like that um, so that we can kind of know how, how it works. Um, any of you guys seen the movie, and forgive me for those of you who I know are not moviegoers, but I think this was a clean movie. I try to be careful. Uh, there's a movie called Maverick Top Gun. Did you guys ever see that? Some of you guys have. All right. So anyways, um, basically the movie, uh, not, well, there's a little bit of spoiler here, but not, not completely. But anyways, they're, they're trying to do this mission in order you know, to, to fly these amazing planes to drop a bomb and then to get out uh, in order to protect the nation. And as they got the best of the best pilots there from the entire nation, they're having a hard time doing this. It, it almost seems impossible. Until one day it kind of goes in, again, here's a spoiler alert, so you might want to cover your ears, but until one day a, a guy comes in and uh, he, he does it. He's able to go through, maneuver in a certain amount of time, uh, drop the, the bomb and then go up and you're going to see the G-force is just crazy and then just, and he makes it, he, he, what he does by, by giving that example is that he, number one, shows it can be done 
And number two, he shows how it's done. And that's kind of how it is what we're talking about right here. You're like, man, there's no such thing as a sold out and surrendered saint. There's no such thing as a completely committed Christian. Oh, yes, there is. And Paul says right here, I'm telling you guys, I I, I want you to join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul says 13 books in the New Testament. Most of the book of Acts is about the way that he followed and served the Lord. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Join in following my example and others like me. And so when you look at this, it's really cool to know that we have a a typology. Now the word pattern right there in verse 17, the Greek word is the word tupos. And that's where I think we as Christians, we kind of need to see Paul as a typology of a Christian. And that's why we got the title of the study, What Type of Christian Are are You? Am I? You know, what what we see here is we want to be like Christ. And so Paul says, you know what? I'm giving you an example. If you follow in these, you know, this passion, this heart, you're going to be in a good place. Of course, we know Jesus is our perfect model, but he was God. And so a lot of people would have that question, you know, well, what about me? I'm not God. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. So many things have happened in my life. I don't think I could do it. And so God says, oh, yes, you can, because he uses Paul and the grace that God gave him to show us that it can be done. And this is how it's done. You want to be used by the Lord? Don't you want to be used by God like Paul was? Don't you want to see people saved and and sanctified and churches planted and all these different things happen? Then Paul says, join in in following my example on those who have walked like this. I think of people like Chuck Smith. Uh, I think of people like Billy Graham. I think of someone like Amy Carmichael who was uh, there in India for 50 years, uh, never had a furlough, And she just helped these children from becoming sex slaves. And this is the way that she served the Lord. And you're like, man, we have these examples of individuals. You think of George Mueller, this guy who prayed and prayed and prayed. And God provided for all these orphanages. Someone like Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who you know, gave his life, uh, Corey Tenboon, uh, this amazing lady. You know, when you look at this, it's interesting, the Greek word right there uh, where it says that we are to make note, look again at verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk. The Greek word is skopeo. You know, we get our word microscope, telescope. You're scoping something out, you know? And that's what he's saying. When you see someone that that you just, man, their walk is right. God's using their life. They're not perfect, but they're proper. Then Paul says, note those, look at them and, and walk the way that they walked. And so when I think of that, I think about, you know, like the individuals God's used in my life, my pastor. I think of Chuck Smith, like I said earlier. I think of someone even like Warren Wiersbe. I've read, you know, so many of his books, probably 30 of his books. You know, and I love the way this guy is balanced in his theology, the way that he's practical with his uh, Bible. 
And the Lord just shows me, you know, these are individuals, you, you, know, you make note of them, you scopeo them, you're looking at them, you're studying their life. I, I, right now, I'm falling in love with a guy named John Wesley. And this guy, the way that he prayed and the way that he served and the way that God used his life. And so, you know, you, there's, there's a really cool book um, by Warren Wiersbe. It's called uh, 50 People Every Christian Should Know. And I tell you what, there is something about looking at church history, seeing the way that God used them. You know, they did do this. And how did they do this? And you're just gleaning from these guys. That, that's all Paul is saying. You know, you want to make sure that you walk like those who walked after Christ so that we can be godly. And we look at the examples, the way that they, they did it. None perfect, but... You know, it's fleshed out for us to have the, you know, the sample, the example, the way that it can be done and the way that it is done. Uh, how, how many of you guys here, you do home projects at home and you, um, you look it up on YouTube on, on how to do it? I'm just curious. Okay, uh, Ariana, who else? Um, <laughs> some of you guys, uh, you probably don't need to look it up on YouTube because you already know how to do it. Other you guys don't do it. <laughs> and then there are some like me where like, okay, I, I need help. You know, how do you change the headlight on, you know, my Toyota RAV4 without, you know, breaking the whole thing? I'm sweating bullets because I don't want to mess it up. But neither do I want to spend $500 taking it to the dealer, right? So you look it up on YouTube and they show you step by step exactly how to replace the headlight there was one time even someone like me i'm not mechanically inclined but i was able to repair our dryer or things like you know looking at different things the sprinkler laying down the molding and then you know using the caulking trim afterwards how do you do that i remember having to drill into concrete to hang our television there and so again looking all these things up basically is just saying, I want to see how it's done. You need those examples. You need someone kind of walk you through it. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, later on, we're going to be talking about heaven in, in the last couple of verses. And as we're on our way there, we want to make sure that we follow those who follow Christ. And so we look to their examples. Paul was a typology of Christian, and that's kind of like the type of Christian that I want to be. And so if you follow those who follow Christ, you're going to be godly. But if you follow those who don't follow Christ, you're going to be worldly. And that's what he says in verse 18. He says, for, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, even back in, in Paul's day, and again, this is right around 30 years after the church had started, still in its infancy stages in one sense, there were enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul is saying, don't follow them. Notice again what he said there in verse 18, many walk of whom I told you often and so it's not like just like a one-time thing notice this is paul he's saying it over and over again you know that he would warn them because what we find is that sometimes people don't pay attention to the warning and you have to say it over and over again you know 
Friday we got like a warning light in my daughter's car that the tire pressure was low. And so what do you guys normally do when you get that little warning light that the tire pressure is low? How many of you guys, be honest, ignore it? I'm just curious. <laughs> you ignore it for a while. You're like, I no thing. It's no big deal, right? I'm going to confess the fact that typically that would have been me. But thank God for my wife. She said, you better go put air in that tire or you can't come in this house is basically what she said. I'm 100% joking. She didn't say that, but she's like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And so I finally like, okay, babe, I got to do it. Uh, so I did it the next day because they say this, believe it or not, they say that tire failure, thousands of car accidents and some deaths have resulted as a result of tire failure due to low tire pressure. And so some people, they, they see the warning, nothing happens. Paul here says, I know there's some of you guys at church like that today. You know, you guys aren't listening, so I'm going to tell you again and again and again and again. Listen, listen. If you want to go to heaven and you want to do it right, follow those who follow Christ. Don't follow those who don't follow Christ because they're the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And man, we got to be so careful with this, you guys. You know, Paul here, when he writes, he cares and he cries. It, it brings him to tears as he's writing and warning them. The, the Greek word right here translated weeping it's actually, you know, typically used when someone dies. And so Paul here, as he's writing, hey, watch out for those other guys, those enemies of the cross. You know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't cry easily. He's not like me. He, you know, he cries. He, he doesn't, the Bible doesn't say he cries when he's arrested. Doesn't say he cried when he was beaten. Doesn't say he was cried when he was persecuted. Doesn't say he was, he was crying when he was chained. It says he, he cried when he saw how people fell away from the Lord. And that's why as he's writing, he's weeping. He cares and he's crying. And he's telling them you have to watch out for those guys. You know, I think of someone like Demas, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, for Demas has forsaken me, he said, having loved this present world, he's departed for Thessalonica. Paul could recall casualties, people who maybe at one time they sat in those pews. They used to come to church every single week, but now they don't. They're people who maybe even preach from this pulpit and they're nowhere to be found. It broke his heart to see what these enemies of the cross did to the people who used to follow the Lord, but they're not anymore. And so he warns them. Now, to me, it's interesting that they're enemies of the cross. And I thought that was interesting. They're not like enemies of, of Christ. And I guess in a general sense, they would be. But it's specifically the cross, specifically the cross. And so... That, that kind of tells me a couple of things. When we're talking about the enemies of the cross, either they were, uh, they were hedonistic or they were legalistic. A hedonistic person is a person who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. And so they are a pleasure seeker. That's why they live. They just live for pleasure. 
And so sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, we're talking about that kind of lifestyle, right? And there are some people, that's what it's all about. You know, it's all about what, you know, making money because you want all the things that money can buy. And so there's that hedonistic life where Jesus would say, if you want to follow me, then you got to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me every single day. Well, the hedonistic person wouldn't do that. So they were enemies of the cross. But then also there's the legalistic person. Now, the legalistic person is a person who believes that one's religion, with all these rules and regulations, makes them right before God. They don't, you know, they don't, they kind of don't like a church like this. Imagine, and I, today I made a mistake, forgive me. I don't know how it happened, but I end up with a t-shirt on a Sunday morning. Can you guys believe that? <laughs> Sorry, I was talking to someone earlier and they're like, why are you wearing a t-shirt? And I'm like, you know what? I forgot. I don't know how that happened. Because usually on Sundays we were callers, right? And so anyways, you know, um, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, we're, if we're not really careful, we can actually make it about rules and regulations. We can make it about, you know, my righteousness. And, you know, you need the stained glass windows. You need the holy water. You need the incense or whatever. You need the vaulted ceilings. And, you know, you need the, you need the religion. You, you need all those like ceremony stuffs and, you know, the circumcision. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. That's what these guys were saying. And, and, and that, that, what that does, those types of people who look to religion, rules and regulations and self-righteousness, and at the end of the day, this is what they're saying. The cross is not enough. The blood of Jesus is not enough. I need religion, I need rules, I need regulations, I need this, that, and the other. And what Paul is saying here, because he's talking to the Judaizers as well, is that they're enemies of the cross. Listen, you guys, the cross of Jesus Christ is enough. The blood of God, Acts 20, 28, the blood of God is what purchased the church. When Jesus died for you on the cross, he said, you guys remember, it is finished. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you? Yes or no? If you have, then you are washed of all your sins the moment you placed your faith in him. That's why the Bible calls it good news. You don't have to go and do a thousand push-ups in order to go to heaven. You don't have to do anything except for believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so here Paul is saying, be careful of those guys, man. Because if you're not careful, these enemies of the cross might make you fall away. And you got to be so careful because now those people who fell away are being, they're being used by the enemy to, you know, lead others astray. I was thinking about this one gal, Audrey Saad. I used to love her worship songs, man, just so deep and so beautiful. Her voice and just, you could tell like her heart was in the right place. But then, you know, she's, she got led astray by the enemies of the cross. Uh, you know, today you're going to hear words like progressive, Christianity or deconstructionism. You guys watch out for those things. It doesn't belong in the church. Next thing you know, man, she is no longer a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and she's got this own, you know, whatever organic journey. But the thing that concerns me though is she has 41,000 followers. 
So she got led astray by someone who was the enemy of the cross. Now she's leading people astray. Same thing happened with this band, Gungor. You, I don't know if you guys know about them, but they were a Christian band at one time. And next thing you know, what happens is this guy, he gets led away by someone who's an enemy of the cross. And so this couple, they grew up, man, in the church. They were so right with God. And they were pure until they got married. And they just were doing everything right. But they, they eventually, you know, started hitting some trials and bumps in the road. Uh, one of the people that they were praying for to get healed didn't get healed. And so they got upset about that with God. And then they had a child with Down syndrome. And for whatever reason, uh, they got upset with God about that. I don't think that you should get upset with God about that because they're beautiful, beautiful people, right? But for them, it's just like they're like enough. I'm not going to serve God anymore. And so now the guy is an atheist, uh, the husband and the wife, she doesn't know what she believes. But again, they were led astray by the enemies of the cross, and now they've got these tens of thousands of followers that they're, that they're leading away as well. And I was thinking about someone like Kenneth Copeland. Think about this guy. I mean, it's just so crazy. You know, uh, $760 million this guy makes by fleecing the flock. He says he's a Christian, but he's not. He's super rich. He's got jets, all this kind of stuff. And you want to know how many people watch him every single day? 885 million people every single day. And Paul is saying, follow those who follow Christ. Don't follow those like this guy, Kenneth Copeland. He's an enemy of the cross. He preaches health, wealth, and prosperity. He thinks he's a little God. And you know, it can happen in so many ways. Beware, Paul says. And I'm going to keep warning you about these things. Nowadays, uh, we, not all follow, we, we, we may not follow the stars of astrology, but you might be here today and if you're honest, you follow not the stars of astrology, but the stars of celebrity. And you're like, you know what? I, I really like this person. And little by little, they might ebb away at your faith. What kind of influence will they have on you? Will it be godly or will it be earthly? You know, we have to be so careful who our influencers are. You know, you got YouTube, you got TikTok, you got Instagram, you got so many ways in which we can follow the wrong person. And if you follow the wrong person, you know, that, that's sometimes that explains it all. That's why, you know, my child is going through that. That's why my, my husband went this direction. That's why my wife, my friend, my neighbor, because you look at them and it's been years, years, of following the wrong influence. We need to follow those who follow Christ because if not, look what Paul says in verse 19 where they end up going, whose, whose end is destruction, whose, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now I gotta be honest, when I first read this verse right here, I was like, oh man, I'm in trouble. Because, Lord, I like to eat. Uh, I'm serious. In one sense, like, my, my God is my belly. And I'm like, man, bacon. Lord, thank you. 
for bacon in the morning. A day without bacon is like a day without sunshine. And so, I mean, you guys like breakfast burritos, huh? Uh, aren't they awesome? I could eat breakfast burritos, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Honestly, they're so good, especially with some good salsa. You know, chorizo con papas, you name it for lunch. Doesn't Jersey Mike's sound good? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? And then for dinner, pizza, filet mignon. All I know is that right here, I was like, oh, you know, Lord, help me with this. So we do have to keep, that does, it is applicable to a certain extent. But you guys, come on, please listen to me. That person that you're following, where are they going? Where are they going? Whose end, it says, is destruction. In 2 Thessalonians 1.9, it says, He shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. In 2 Peter 1.2, same thing. They bring in destructive heresies, destructive ways. You know, it's so important that we, we follow uh, those who follow the Lord. You know? These are heavy warnings. I'll be honest, it's good to periodically take that spiritual inventory to assess our spiritual geography and we have to ask ourselves, who am I, who am I truly following? Come on, if you can answer that. Answer that question. Who are you truly following? You know, and you can say Jesus and you'll be safe, but I'll be honest, you gotta kinda also have certain individuals, mentors, influencers, help, if you would call it that, people who are following the Lord. You know, we had to be so careful, Paul says, because their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and glory is their shame, who's set their mind on things that are earthly. You know, when you look at this right here, um, that what does it mean their, their God is their belly? Well, we go back to what I mentioned earlier, the hedonistic and the legalistic. The hedonistic, it, it refers to those who have uh, animal ap- appetites. And so these are individuals who are indulging in animal appetites almost to the point of worship. It can include food, but you know, uh, usually it's things like sex and, and money and pride and the things that money can buy, you know, uh, uh, that's usually what happens with that type of animal appetite when it's hedonistic. Um, But then there's also those that are are legalistic. And that's when Paul here, he speaks of God, their gods as their belly. He refers to the religious legalists who said, no, 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 I can't have pork. Or no, 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 I can't eat that because it's not kosher or, you know, in line with the Judaistic dietary laws. But under the new covenant, you know, we're no longer under that law. And so you know what the Bible says now? That we can eat anything as long as we thank God for it and uh, then we can grub. And so whose God is their belly? It can be hedonistic, indulging, or it can be legalistic or like no, you know. And so we have to make sure that we have the cross where it belongs. You know, whether both of those extremes, they've set their mind on things on the earth. And believe it or not, I've met some Christians who think that they're better than other Christians because they don't eat pork. And I'm like, dude, you just need a big pork chop or something. <laughs> 
Now, don't get me wrong. If you don't eat pork because it's not good for you, that's a different reason, right? But we have to understand these things in their context. At the end of the day, Colossians 3.2, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And so, you know, for us, the type of Christian I want to be is that typology of a Christian put in the Bible who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. So much of the book of Acts is about him because God lifts him up and says he's a trophy of grace. Manny, I know you've blown it. I know I've blown it. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm unworthy and I know I'm unable, but I also know my God. And I know the power of the Holy Spirit. I know the power of his blood. I know the power of his grace. And I see what he did in Paul's life. And so that then inspires me. And I pray that it inspires you as well. This is showing us that it can be done. And this is showing us how it's done. Follow those who follow Christ. Don't follow those who don't follow Christ. Those who follow Christ, where do they end up, you guys? Heaven, right? And so we read in verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And so I'm grateful, I'm sure you are as well, that we are American citizens. Amen? You're free to worship. Um, I remember going to Cambodia one time and kind of having some problems over there and so I had to go to the uh, embassy, the American embassy. And uh, man, I was grateful that I was a, a United States citizen at that point. It kind of built me out. Well, the same is true for us. Uh, as Christians, we have at least a dual citizenship, not just here on earth, but also there in heaven. And this would be something that the Philippians would really appreciate because they were a Roman colony uh, who had, these people had Roman citizenship even though they were outside of the land of Rome. And that's kind of what the story is for us as well. And so, you know, you can follow the, the world, you can follow those who don't follow Jesus and you'll end up in destruction or you can follow those who follow the Lord, you can follow the Lord and you end up in heaven and when you start thinking about heaven, I tell you what, man, it's a blessing to be able to know that I'm a citizen of heaven, that I love earth, I enjoy my life. I'll be honest with you, I really do. But this is not my home. My citizenship is in heaven. You know, C.S. Lewis, he once said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you will get neither. And that's the way it works, you guys. The heavenly citizenship should be an inspiration. You know, we're just pilgrims passing through. We understand that there is a mission on planet Earth. You know, a family flock. We will do our best to enjoy it. And more importantly, we will do our best to complete it. Whatever that mission is, 
that God has for me. Don't get too comfortable in the land of Oz because there's no place like home. And that's heaven. Heaven is not just a destination. It's a motivation. Heaven is not just some abstract you know, thought about the future. It is a power, powerful force for today when we think on these things. You know, we love life, but I think I've shared with you guys before how silly it would be if we went on vacation. Let's just say we went to our hotel and you, you arrive into your hotel. You, what's the first thing you normally do? You check it out. You're like, is this a good one or a bad one, right? You're like checking it out. How big is it? Anyways, you go into your hotel room and you're like, man, I don't like this carpet. So you call, you know, the carpet people. Hey, can you come and replace the carpet there in your hotel room? And then you're like, well, I don't like the paint. I think I'm going to start, you know, change the color here. You know, imagine calling, you know, hey, can you remodel this bathroom right here? And next thing you know, they're working on the, the, the bathroom. You know, new furniture, big screen, whatever it is, because you want to make your time there the whole whopping three weeks, you know, fun. And, and at the end of the day, you think on that and how, how ridiculous that is. Well, that's the way it is when people put all, all their heart all their thoughts, all their resources, all their life just into this world completely neglecting God and his world. And this is all Paul is saying right here. You know, we right here, the thing about heaven, there's a lot of cool things I think about when I'm thinking about going to heaven. Of course, I want to see my Lord. I want to see my loved ones in Christ. But notice again there in verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait. Can I ask you a question? Do you eagerly wait? And you're like, Manny, that kind of sounds like an oxymoron. What do you mean eagerly wait? Well, I think the eagerly wait right here is just like that, that passionate desire. In one sense, it's almost like a passionate patience you know, because you're looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying right here. Listen, I don't know a whole lot about what it's going to be like when we're there in heaven. I don't know if I'm going to have the 10,000 square foot mansion with a good view. I wonder sometimes about the details. But I do know right here, Paul does tell us one thing, that we will have bodies like Jesus' body. That's what it says there in verse 20. Our, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And so some of you guys are young and you're like, you know what? I don't need a new body. I'm good. You know, you're fit and trim. And I hope that, you know, that it stays that way for a long time for you. But how many of you guys here would, would say, you know what? I could use a a new body. <laughs> I'm tripping out now, man. I'm already 36 years old and things are happening to my body. I'm like, man, it's just a little bit more difficult to go down. And then you guys, I learned this now. When you get older, you can't get up real fast, huh? Because part of it is just because you can't get up real fast. That's part of it. But another part of it is if you get up real fast, you might break something <laughs> in the process, man. 
You know, I can't wait till I get into heaven. I'm going to have the ability to smell again if I don't get healed before then. And I don't know what the smell will be like in heaven, but I know it's going to be beautiful. Who knows? Maybe they're going to have chocolate chip cookies and I'll smell that. You know, my knee will be right. My shoulder will be right. And my eyes, I'll be able to see. I'll have probably dark hair, taller, stuff like that. You know, all I know is that Paul here is just saying, we're going to have a body like Christ's body. And, and you know, I don't know, not, not, not that it's just about that, but you start thinking about heaven. Friend, you know, I know there are some of you that are struggling here today, you know, and I, and I know that. And it's hard, you know, to, to get past this mountain that seems to be in front of you. I, I just want to encourage you today to take what Paul is saying and to put it into practice. Follow those who follow Christ. Don't follow those who don't. And as you're there following those who follow Christ, know that your home is in heaven because you place your faith in the cross of Christ. Simple faith that has saved you so that one day, I mean, it's going to come. You're going to be in glory and you're going to have this, this new body. It's a body that, that the same type of body that Jesus has. That's what it says right here. And when you look at the life of Christ, his body um, had a flesh and bones. It says in Luke 24, not flesh and blood, but flesh and bones. Uh, Luke 24, 36 through 43, it talks about he had a body that ate food, which I'm super glad about, that we're going to be eating food in heaven, right? I bet it's going to taste so good. A body that just appeared to them in the midst of that. Now, some people believe that your new body will be able to walk through walls. Maybe that's how Jesus appeared to them, because they talk about just the way that we're made. But who knows, maybe we'll just be able to, you know, like beat me up, Scotty, and you go from here to there. Uh, I, but I know, and I'll, not only this, when Jesus was in his resurrected body, he ascended into heaven. So yes, when we have our glorified bodies, we will be able to, and I believe this with all my heart, travel the galaxies. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that excite you no (laughs) doesn't it you start thinking about these things and you're like yeah let's go back to what paul said that i may know him that i may be like him that i may help others know him and that i may help others be like him so that others would know him and others and others and that one day They'll go to heaven. Now, you may be here and you think, well, you got a better plan for your life and something else is more exciting for you. But not for me. To me, this is what we were made. And this is why, you guys, we can't be half-hearted. We have to be completely committed Christians. You know, one last thing about the, the movie and I'll close with this. For those of you who saw the movie, do you remember how you know they had to maneuver through at a certain speed and they had to 
you know, go and, and drop the bomb. But then at the very end, as he's driving through, I'm sorry if it's a spoiler alert for some of you guys, but then what ends up happening is they pull up really hard and it's, it's like this G-force and it's like crazy, crazy. Have to get up the mountain. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, Lord, this is what you're talking about right here, about pulling up, about just really, truly getting our eyes on that home in heaven. You do that. You do that. And you watch what happens. You know, First John 3 and 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. And that's exciting. That's exciting. So God help us. God give us wisdom to, you know, join in following Paul's example and make a note of those who so walk because we have them as a pattern. And that Greek word is where we get our word type. That's the type of Christian we should want to be.